for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, oh my word, with me as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. <laughs> Who is currently wearing tin foil and an Iron Man mask and giant white gloves. I suppose because he wants to be a robot. So there you have um, it, folks. I do not want to be a robot. <laughs> I am a robot. Right. And with that acting performance, who could doubt you? There is nothing I want more than to be a real boy. <laughs> oh, man. You should have played Ultron in the Avengers movie. That was that was great. Good Good performance there. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you might like the foil. Yeah, it was a good touch. It was a nice touch. It explains why you were late to show up for this uh, recording. So good. Glad to know that that was worthwhile. Spent use of time. I'd like to apologize to my wife because (laughs) I don't know if there'll be enough foil for the next time we need it. Right. Um, And inflation, uh, Kirk. Now you're gonna have to buy foil. Oh yeah, this was approximately a sixty-seven dollar joke just yeah, right here. It was right. <laughs> Hope it was worth yeah. it. Hope it was worth it, Kirk. We'll know when we well, check the stats later. <laughs> it is the worst reviewed episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst performing episode in history because I put you as a tinfoil robot in the thumbnail for YouTube. <laughs> and yes. Everybody's like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, like, uh, kind of culty, huh? Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for that. De- let me defoil here. How much foil do you have on? I ha- I had I had foil wrist protectors. Right. I had a foil chest plate. I had sure. a foil hat that didn't last. I, ha- I I'm wearing foil <laughs> underwear yeah, as well. Yeah, I was well, gonna Cam, say. How far does this go? <laughs> I like it. Way to be way to be in it. Way to commit fully. I like it. I like it. Um, so did we introduce ourselves? Did I distract from that? No, you did. We did. I introduced okay. you. Oh, I'm your other co-host, you? Cam. There um, we go. And this week, as uh, Kirk has displayed with with uh, visual effects, we are reviewing a film about a robot, and that film is called Megan. It's a horror film from Blumhouse about a uh, doll, a robotic doll, who you know kills people, obviously. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about the the movie. And then Kirk has a Megan-themed game for us at the end of this episode that we are going to play, as well as uh, this is a horror movie. So before we give our final thoughts and scores, we have to do pee your pants meter. On a scale Uh of one to pee your pants, how scary is this movie for all the weenies out there? Kirk and I are a bunch of weenies, so um, we're going to talk about that. And I watched Hereditary for the first time. I've been avoiding that movie like the plague. If you follow me on Letterboxd, you know this. I, I literally have been avoiding this movie, but then it released on HBO Max. Um, and so I felt like, oh boy, now I have no excuse. Now it's free for me to watch. And so I watched it, and it horrified me to no end. And the last 20 minutes of the movie, I watched... Well, first of all, let me set the scene. I'm in my own bedroom with my wife there and my two dogs there. It is... <laughs> as bright as daylight in my room because all of the lights are on. My wife is watching like sister wives or some, some discovery plus garbage next to me. 
and my dogs are literally laying on laying on top of me and i'm watching this movie like this with my fingers over my eyes yes and about to you know pee my pants because i'm so scared that that movie it was insane so that's how big of a weenie i am yeah yeah i saw your your challenge and i ch- i took the challenge as well and i watched yes. it a couple of days later um equally horrified <laughs> just equally more or equally. less equally probably the same i knew that you had had that experience so okay. i chose to watch the last 45 minutes of the film while doing dishes so oh i will say there were moments where i stopped and i brought myself into a corner so no one could surprise me yeah no or kidding, like walk dude. up on me no kidding. um but but otherwise, uh, I, th- I think I was more well prepared to kind of put a wall way up versus your very tragic experience. Yes, yes. Um, Megan is not as scary as Hereditary. For So for once again, for the weenies, you don't have to worry about that. Spoiler alert. Not as scary as Hereditary, but we will reveal our final pee your pants ranking at the end of our review. Which, Kirk, are we doing spoiler-free on this review? It's hard, man. It's hard. I kind of don't want to, but I kind of do. I don't know what to do. Let's ask the listeners right now. We will take a uh, one-week pause to get a poll going, and we will find that out. What do you think, Cam? What do you think? Executive decision, I say we have to talk spoilers. Okay, we're doing it. I think we have to. It, it performed well at the box office, so if you haven't seen the movie, this is your sign. Go see it, and then come back and uh, listen to this review. And I'm sure it will be released on streaming. Blumhouse is owned by Universal, I think, so this should be, yeah, this will be a Universal. So Peacock, is the that's the end of that thought train. It'll be on Peacock at some point, probably in the next couple of months, but... Go see it in theaters. Horror movies are more fun with other people around because then you know that you're not going to die and you also get to laugh and scream and have a good time. So do that and then come back and listen to this review. So, Kirk, we're talking Megan. You, my friend, have the honor and the privilege of synopsing this film for us. So whenever you are ready to do so, you may have the floor. Excellent. Do you want like a full robot voice or what, what do you prefer? Whatever tickles your fancy, Kirk, you know, you're, <laughs> you're in the chair. You, you do what you need to do. Okay. I'll just give you my movie phone voice to quote Willy Wonka. Chris Daughtry once sang, be careful what you wish for. Cause you just might get it all. You just might get it all. As the world progresses, our society craves, the next innovative technology inspired by her recently orphaned niece, Gemma, a robotics expert designs child's personal robot a la Baymax from big hero six. The catch, this robot looks like a little girl and is powered by an AI too smart for its own good. Is it too good to be true? You be the judge. Go see Megan now playing in theaters. That was good, but I'm confused about the, to quote Willy Wonka, Chris Daughtry once sang. Oh, was yeah. Was Chris well, because, Daughtry quoting Willy Wonka? Yeah, right, because so at the end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder says, be careful what you wish for, Charlie. 
you just might get it all. I mean, yes. he, it's something like that. And then Daughtry sings in his song, be careful what you wish for. Oh, yes. You just might get it all. You're right. But you got to be Chris Daughtry. That's to right. Sing that. That's true. You do have to be Chris Daughtry to sing that. And there's only one. There's only one. There's only one. For better or worse. Okay. There can only be one Chris Daughtry. So, Kirk, you have you have set the stage well for this movie. It's, it's a... Uh, this movie is doing really well in the box office right now. It had a budget of only $12 million and through its first weekend has already earned $45 million globally. Wow. So do the math there. That's a decent return. Um, and that's just the first weekend. So, And it was going up against Avatar, which was in its fourth weekend. And Avatar still won the box office, but Megan took a pretty good chunk out of it. We saw this movie on a Saturday night, like close to 10 p.m., and the theater was sold out. Literally sold out. I could not believe my eyes. It's the, it's been a long time since I've seen, uh, you know, any movie, let alone a movie in January, that is not a major franchise that was sold out every seat filled. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about on a previous episode all of the movies coming in 2023, and a majority of them, a resounding majority, are sequels yes. or um, legacy sequels, just film franchises that we already know, MCU properties. Uh, this is pretty insane. It's pretty insane that this original film is selling out like that on a Saturday and inspiring. Honestly, I feel like this is a good step towards getting uh, screenwriters and to to write the things, directors to choose those projects that are a little bit riskier and go for it because the return uh, financially is great, has a great payoff, and the return emotionally and uh, you know building a fan base and, and storytelling, that is also equally as rewarding. So I, I just I just want to applaud this movie for as strange as the, the concept of it is, as crazy as the trailer makes it seem, to being such a success here in 2023. Absolutely. For whatever reason, it has, it seems to have struck a chord and that's, that's always cool when that happens. It's sometimes unexpected. And, and this is one of those times. So uh, let's get into it, Kirk. Let's start with our acting performances, our acting superlatives. Our first category is, and the Oscar goes to, which will go to the, uh, whoever you think is the best actor in the film. So tell us who that person is whenever you're ready. This one goes straight out to Miss Violet McGraw. She plays the orphaned niece, Katie, uh, spelled just like Lindsay Lowen's Katie from Mean Girls, C-A-D-Y. Oh, no. Is it C-A-T-Y in that no. movie? I'll regret. Okay, good. Caddy, I was going to have. Caddy That's right. Severe regret almost overtook my body. But Violet McGraw, she has had the just the incredible... Um, opportunities to work or be near some incredible directors. She was uh, kind of an extra or maybe a lower a lower role in uh, Ready Player One. So she's been near Spielberg. Uh, she's been near uh, Flanagan in the, the Haunting of Hill House, the Netflix phenomenon. She's been in just a lot of stuff for being so young. Uh, she she was really just really captivating with such a bizarre concept. The fact that this girl understood the collective story and and the whole goal here very impressive very very impressive i mean half the time she's acting against someone with mocap all over her face uh the body actress for megan our our animatronic ai robot uh i just think that having that feat at that age is very impressive we see actors that are fully grown people uh fully grown adults that are 
acting against green screens and, you know, like the Josh Brolin uh, over the shoulder Thanos thing hovering over his real head. Like they're having to act against that and that you can see at times they're like, eh, they're looking at a weird looking puppet. Uh, but this one is fully committed. Violet McGraw, someone to watch for sure. I'm, I'm excited about the rest of her career coming up. Uh, I don't know of any uh, things that are immediate, but I do know that when we see her again, it's going to be just like, absolute fire so bravo miss katie yeah i i mean i don't think there is another choice in this movie i thought violet mcgraw was superb i don't have a ton to add to yours other than just to say that this she stands out so much because this is a very campy movie with a lot of very over exaggerated and and silly quirky performances and then you get this this hard hitting dramatic punch from, you know, she's playing a girl who is trying to find herself, who's lost her parents at a young age, who is looking for companionship. And the only person she can find it with is this, you know, animatronic. And it's believable in the midst of all this insanity that's happening. You've got Violet who's holding the whole thing together and giving a, a real, uh, emotional touch when the rest of the film strikes a very different chord tonally. And we'll, you know, I'll kind of talk about that later, but Violet um, to be, to be doing what she's doing, like Kirk said at, at this age and having not had uh, really any massive roles so far, this is her breakout and it's, it's an incredible thing to watch. I leaned over to Kirk in the first, like, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes and said, this girl is unbelievable. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, dude, unreal. So it's uh, it will jump off the screen to you absolutely. If you if you're one of these people who you know, it takes a little while to kind of understand what you're looking for when when you're analyzing acting performances, particularly if you've never acted before. I struggled with that for a really long time. Um, this one is not hard to spot. This one is like a clear superstar in the making. She she's phenomenal. So excellent job, Violet McGraw. All right. Yay. Let's move into Scene Stealer, Kirk. There's lots of uh, various characters here, many of them uh, very quirky, many of them more grounded. Who did you go with for your Scene Stealer? My Scene Stealer goes to a, a dual role. I mentioned it earlier. The body actress slash stunt actress and the voice actress that plays the secondary character, Megan, the robot, the title role, which is played by the, the actual physical body played by uh, Amy Donald and the voice played by Jenna Davis. I mean, this is just something again, lightning in a bottle. You cannot match up a more perfect aesthetic for what the creative team did and the vocal that came out of it, the sinisterness of it. And you know, when uh, we watched um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Whose line is it anyways, where you put your arms through the other person and they put their arms behind and you act as their hands in front of you. That's what this kind of is because Amy, the body actress, she had to fully trust what was going to be said and done and, and had to, make sure that she was on par with all of that. And then on the flip side, Jenna Davis, the vocal actress, she had to make sure that her inflections matched whatever body movement that the other one was making. So it's very impressive. I wanted to like transport myself back to 1999 and flip through to the second DVD of special features and just see how that process looked. What did um, Amy look like as the actress on set with the possible mocap on her face? What was there? What was not there? 
there. And then I want to see, is Jenna off stage ne- next to the camera reading the lines? Is Amy reading the lines? It's all very confusing, but the, the creative team, the actual performers of Megan uh, bringing it to life was super incredible. Uh, like Cameron said, the believability of, of Violet McGraw falling basically in in love this this sincere friendship almost sibling like relationship almost therapist like relationship to someone exactly her age uh was very endearing and what's so cool about this film is that every single person they're living in their own truth and that's what makes it so compelling. They're they're living what they know is right. They're they're responding to their specific emotions and their world. And then they're trying to not change the other person, but really just try to understand the other person. Even Megan, who's trying to understand everybody, she is an AI learning machine. And even though she eventually goes off the rails and has her own agenda to her prime directive of protecting Katie. She really does toe the line of I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for myself here. And then she gets some feedback. She's like, "Mm, all right, you got a good point. I'm going to turn off like you asked me to. There's several moments of that. So it's bizarre that, that we're going to be able to, uh, that we are, and we'll be able to dissect this, silly horror film in such different layers and i think that's just an absolute credit to the screenwriting and to the direction and to the performers what a masterpiece uh of of a film in a very specific time in our lives so bravo to amy and jenna who are megan it's a great pick it's exactly where i was gonna go with my scene stealer but I'll, i'll take this opportunity to give my flowers to somebody else who i thought was a standout in this cast and that's um, our leading lady, uh, Allison Williams, who plays Gemma, who is the aunt and and uh, chief toy maker at a company called uh, Funky <laughs> um, Toys, and she has she is the the aunt to Katie, who has become the the sole guardian, the the legal the legal guardian for her now orphaned niece, and. What I like about this is I feel like there's an extremely high level of difficulty and I'll always give people props for a role that has a high level of difficulty. And I think that there's a high level of difficulty for Allison Williams playing Gemma because she, like Kirk said, is living within a truth and she's not one of the characters who's playing like a bit part or, or, or doing a lot of character acting. Um, she is meant to be a realistic person living in this world. And she is also responsible for most of the critical details that hold the plot of this movie together. So she's often delivering lines that are explaining why Megan is doing the things that she is doing, why things are working that way, etc. And sometimes those lines of dialogue can be the hardest to deliver because they can come off so cheesy if you don't deliver it just right because it can sound like, you're just explaining away potholes to the audience. And we see this so often where characters are tasked with that. I mean, there's the very infamous Oscar Isaac, um, somehow, somehow Palpatine returned, uh, line, you know, it happens They're Like these lines are not easy to deliver and sometimes they're poorly written. And I thought that Allison Williams for the most part in this role, um, 
was believable and was helping to guide us through the plot and what was happening with Megan and just carried it across with, with, you know, seemingly effortlessly, which I know it was not. So I have to give her flowers. The, the, you know, Kirk, everything you said about the creative team behind the actual Megan doll was spot on and, and they deserve their flowers and are certainly the scene stealers in this movie. But Allison Williams is right there with them, even though she's doing something that's a lot less uh, heralded. Alrighty. I love it. I love it. Our get out queen. That's Allison right. Williams. That's right. <laughs> Allison Williams. Uh, she doesn't have that many credits either. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't do this a ton. You know, she's been doing it more lately, but maybe she'll become a, you know, like a Blumhouse staple after get out and, and this film. We'll have to <laughs> yeah, see. Kind of like, Kind of like, uh, you know, the, the is it the Hallmark movies? The Hallmark Christmas yeah, movies? Yeah, sure. <laughs> She'll be the Candace Cameron of, uh, <laughs> of Blumhouse. <laughs> Just a scream queen. I love it. Um, all right. Let's get into the production of this $12 million budget movie and discuss uh, what worked and, and what didn't. Let's start with what worked and your showstopper, Kirk. Yeah, showstopper. The thing that absolutely captivated me was that control room, that white therapy control room filled with toys, the brightest white you've ever seen, and and just like laced with colors all around. We know that it's sterile. We know that it's not actually fun to be in there. We know that no no uh, no incredible things are going to happen physically in there, and yet we are just drawn to it like like flies like to a, to a bug zapper is what it feels like it's so perfectly executed the window uh, I, I just absolutely loved it and specifically the most captivating show stopping scene to me is the crutch of the relationship with Katie and Megan uh, our little orphaned girl and our robot is when Katie is just having an absolute meltdown. She's trying to move forward. She's trying to grieve her parents and she's trying to find what she's supposed to do, how to pick up the pieces and move forward without them and live with this robot and her aunt who is very selfish of her career and doesn't know what to do with a child her age. And you get, you get Katie who absolutely falls apart and then Megan just steps in and becomes her therapist and she just uh, just starts asking her questions and listening and then solving her problems. And then <laughs> without skipping a beat, homegirl Megan starts to sing a just silly song like <laughs> I, I wish I could remember what song it was, but it absolutely blew my mind. The director, the storytelling, the actors sucked us into this moment to just totally lock in. These girls are imprinted on one another, right? That that Katie is imprinting completely on Megan. Megan will do nothing else but live for her after hearing this story. And then Megan just starts singing this song. I lost it i was laughing the, maybe the hardest i've ever laughed in a movie uh because it was just so incredible uh, i was sucked into the the acting performance and then completely uh thrown across the room by the next choice and it's absolutely what a <laughs> what a robot would be programmed to do to to think it should do to take care of a child as it's still learning uh, much like a Furby would back in the the 90s and early 2000s before those things all self uh, combusted I, I, this scene just all of it was so perfectly orchestrated all 
um, also being watched by all the potential investors of, uh, of other companies and the actual company. I just, this scene stole my heart and my voice. I'm, I'm, my voice is still a little sore from laughing so hard at it. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a good scene that they, they revisit that, that therapeutic room and, and that kind of like showroom multiple times. And every single time the, the engagement that you get between Megan and Katie and Megan and whoever else is in there, whether it be the therapist or whoever is just must see uh, interaction time. So it's a good call out. Um, I'm going to build on that. You talked about the song. You talked about laughing. I'm going to talk about for showstopper, um, the tone of this movie, which this, t- the tone is, is so money. They start this movie out with a very hilarious, like the very first thing you see in this movie is a commercial for a toy that is very reminiscent of a Furby that's called perpetual pet. And they talk about how, you know, it farts and it does all these goofy things and it will outlive you, you know, normal pets die, but perpetual pets live forever. Um, it's this very like exaggerated and satirical kind of commercial. And it's the perfect way to start this movie because what this movie is at its heart is not really a horror film. Like sure. That's the genre, but what it really is, is a satire. This movie is a satire and, and basically what it is satirizing is something I don't think I have ever seen satirized in film that I can recall, uh, or even talked about thematically in film, which is the modern parenting experience. You know, this idea that like people who are parenting now have to deal with things like screen time and making sure that kids are balancing the amount of time they spend on devices and with artificial interactions versus the amount of time that they spend interacting with the fellow human beings and nature and the things around them. And um, it's very interesting because this is a very divisive topic. When, when people become parents, they have to sort of, I don't know, take a stance on this whole thing and they get very defensive about it and it becomes a very protective and, and kind of territorial issue. And, and this movie is kind of, it's a horror movie because it's the embodiment of the fears that parents have about their kids. And it's the fear that, well, what will happen if you just turned your kid over to a, you know, non-human thing as its parent, you know, whether it be an iPad or whether it be a Megan Android. And the, you know, the answer to that question is that she'll try to kill you and and, and ruin your kid and, and all of those things. But you know, they, they create this great tone throughout where they understand what this movie is. It's extraordinarily self-aware. And I don't mean that in like a Deadpool, uh, flea bag, breaking the fourth wall kind of self-aware, but this movie knows exactly where its audience is at and it knows where it's at. And it knows that Chucky is a thing and that we've been exposed to these kinds of things. And so it, um, it strikes a tone that is campy, that's funny, lighthearted. It never gets, it never takes itself too seriously, but it still manages to deliver really in like in 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 very small doses, uh, very concentrated small doses. These like intim- intimate and hard hitting dramatic pieces um, that really 
deliver the message. And I think that ultimately, I mean, it's certainly interpretive, which I never would have guessed that I would say <laughs> about this movie going into it. But I think the ultimate where ultimately where it lands in, in terms of its, its stance on parenting, you know, kind of like the, the natural nature, hippy dippy play outside, no screens versus the iPad kids is that there needs to be a balance. And then perhaps that's not a very surprising answer, but you know, there ultimately there needs to be an attentive parent. And if there's an attentive parent and one who cares, it doesn't matter if you're spending time with your kids while they're playing on their iPad, or if you're spending time with your kids while you're playing outside, it's all good because you're there and you're the one who cares. Um, and that is really, you know, shockingly beautiful and, and well said by this movie. And I was floored by that. And I couldn't believe the way that they delivered it. And the whole time they keep you in this very like, you know, child's play kind of zone of, of something that is, a little bit scary, but very funny and keeps you off guard and, and, and guessing and entertained and laughing. And it's, it's just really, really well done. So that the tone is where, where I have to, as Kirk's on his iPad. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just, just uh, playing on my iPad. That's right. Sorry. That's I, right. I apologize. Finish your doodle um, jump round real quick. <laughs> well, I was just trying to draw Chucky. Um, Love it. Just, you know, <laughs> Just like that. So, yeah, absolutely. It's so true because, like, when when you're the director of this film and you bring your creative team in, you say, hey, we're doing a movie about a a murderous uh, child uh, robotic doll. So strap in. So, like, when you get to these scenes where you're, like, the neighbor's dog is outside barking and causing this big nuisance and she's the dog is hurting other people and then you hear Megan whistle and imitate the voice of the the owner of the dog (laughs) to lure it in and to murder it yeah that's there's like a weird joy that this that this uh, lady's gonna get what she deserves this dog is a menace and just uh just like you know Cujo and it's it's weirdly strange and fun and also still very scary <laughs> at the same time I will say I didn't say this my as my showstopper but the music the final act of this yes. film I was actually nervous even though moments into the final uh location i was like okay i i think bruno is going to come back into play which was this alternate robot that's like eight feet tall i was like i think he's coming back in i saw the glove on her hand i don't know if that was an accidental uh, <laughs> uh cinematography uh flop to see her see the, the glove that operates it or not but I was just like, I don't care. Like, I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Is Katie going to survive? Is Allison Williams going to die? Like, I was very involved with the 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 pacing of the film, of the, of the music, and it was, like, in my, the rhythm with my heart. So I'd love to watch this again and, like, really focus on what it's doing, what its patterns are, and I think I need you to be next to me, Cam, so what you can tell me more specifics on, on how it's <laughs> relating to that. I love it. I love it. Um, All right. Let's talk about the other side of this film and uh, the, you know, the, the, the miscues, the things that we didn't like about it. The director's shoes. Kirk, if you're in the, in the director's shoes, what are some things you would change or some critiques you would have on the flip side of your scene stealer? I was not impressed with Allison Williams. I don't believe it was her fault, though. I feel like those scenes 
where she is building rapport with her uh, niece, where she is uh, showing us the relationships that she has built with her other uh, scientists, robotics experts, teams, technicians, whatever you have you. And I don't feel that she got, we got the best out of her because yes, she was in get out and she was a huge threat and horrifying at times. Uh, she has a long career in, I think the L word uh, on, on one, on whatever network that's on. And I, I think that uh, her and Ronnie C who's a, an incredible stand-up comedian, they really, they, they just, they, their scenes were missing the mark and I just can't quite express it except that I feel like the direction, the literal direction for director's shoes was they weren't directed properly. Uh, so much care was taken with the other characters as needed, but it would have been so much stronger if those other scenes that were very long and very little was happening uh, action and very little forward momentum with exposition even was was given to us. And those particular scenes just fell short which was disappointing because if you prop those scenes up if you inject them with even just some more energy for those scenes this movie gets a full point higher uh, than what i'm going to give it here in just a minute so i felt like those there was a severe miss on the director's part yeah i agree with you on ronnie for sure. Uh, rough. Rough day at the office for Ronnie all the way through. And I, I agree. I think that there are better takes to be had. I've seen him in other movies where um, he's been better. And, and and I actually I agree with you on Allison Williams, too, that there are certainly moments where it's just not right. They didn't get the best take. They didn't get the best delivery. There's felt like there was some, some good enough going on there. Um, and, you know, those moments... They they hurt the film, but I you know I, I I agree with you on all that. I do even despite my my scene stealer, I still agree with you on those things. Mm-hmm. All right, my director shoes. Mine's gonna be the final act uh, of the movie because it doesn't feel high stakes enough um, because. They, they're building to a really high-stakes event where you've, you've potentially got Gemma, Katie, uh, and the whole funky company at this event for the Megan unveiling, unveiling, and then they have her leave. They, you know, so, like, so Gemma and Katie roll out because Katie is, like, not feeling it. Uh, she's having a really hard time emotionally and... Um, she's having a hard time dealing without Megan and she needs her aunt to be available. And Gemma actually, to her credit, is like, all right, this is the one time I'm, I'm finally, for the first time, I'm going to put family ahead of my career and I'm going to get her out of here. Well, they leave and then Megan follows them because she has a score to settle with Gemma and she wants to reach her peak form. And so you go from this huge event where Megan could wreak all sorts of, of chaos and Kane. And then all of a sudden you're back at the house and it's just the three of them. And, and in that situation, you're feeling pretty solid that neither Katie or, I mean, I just, I felt like neither Katie or Gemma are leaving this place dead in a body bag. So certainly not Katie, maybe Gemma, but I don't thematically, I don't think that would have made sense for the film. And so I'm sitting here like, well, here's our final climax 
And it's not scary because neither of these characters are going to die. And so that's that I felt like was a miss. And the tone is so hard to balance throughout. And they did such an excellent job, like I said, um, in my in my showstopper. I think the tone is perfect. At the very end, though, you've got a situation where you need Megan to be scary, like really scary. And she's just kind of not anymore. And I think that that was, that's a trade-off that you get from making the, tr- the creative choices that you made in the first, whatever, five-sixths of the film or, or what have you. Um, but it does hurt it a little bit in the, in the very the very end. I also don't love that they teased uh, a sequel. Of course, it's obvious that this would be a franchise, but I think with what they did with theme and, and how they resolved it, I don't think it makes sense that like the ghost of, of Megan lives on in, in the, you know, in the Alexa or whatever, but I know it's fun to have a gimmick at the end of a horror movie to keep people spooked or what have you. But I just thought that that last, like honestly, like 20 to 15 minutes or so was where this movie uh, struggled a bit. Yep. The a little Alexa device, they call it Elsie in this film, and it looks like, you know, Eve from Wally. It looks like a, a black <laughs> painted Eve yeah. sitting on the desktop that is her her little AI Alexa or Siri. Um, I agree. That's so that's so true. Like, why didn't we get more chaos in the building? I mean, she she beats up Ronnie C and then rolls out basically, but couldn't we have had this get her on the stage? terrorize that entire group in that galley way and like fight her way through it. We could have had an extraordinary car chase scene with Megan in a car, like downloading uh, driver's ed or something. Right. And maybe the fail safe that, that we should have been introduced to earlier, maybe it was some sort of like, I don't know, ultra electric surge, like uh, stun gun. And maybe there were, she had two, one at home and one in the office, the one in the office failed or Megan threw it away. And then the only other one was left that was in, the office at home for Allison Williams. I think again, consults, we should be the consultants on this. That would have been more compelling to get them back to having Bruno be the thing, but we absolutely should have had an additional um, extravagant showdown. Like you said, at the actual corporation, we should have seen it on unfold on live, like on a live, on live stream, like Megan just yeah, like, didn't it feel like they were building to that? Cause yes. I'm sitting here, you know, I've watched so many movies, you know, things, things do get a bit predictable, but you're going, okay, here's, here's where we're at in the storyline. They're gathering everybody in one place. This is great. If you're watching a superhero movie and everybody started to get gathered in one place, you'd be like, it's about to go down. Right. (laughs) And so that's what I thought. Like it's, it is about to go down. But as soon as Megan regains, you know, consciousness, sentience, in the building, Gemma and Katie are on the road. They're gone. They're, they're out of there. And it's like, man, it could have been so epic. And and you still could have had the decision point for Gemma. You could have built a different scenario where it's like, you need to help us stop Megan from destroying the company or whatever. And she chooses her family, you know, whatever. I'm not going to come up with the perfect solution right here, but there was a solution to be had with a better uh, finale. Yeah. And maybe it was financially, uh, impossible. Maybe mm-hmm. they needed like mm-hmm. two more yeah. million to do that type of scene, but man, I would have thrown my own money at it. <laughs> if I'm the director, I'd have been like, I need 1.1 more million dollars. Yes. I am getting a loan real quick. Cause this is, if only he knew it would have been paid back immediately. <laughs> agree. Agree. All right, Kirk. Uh, 
Take us home. Final thoughts and scores on Megan. Well, wait, 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 wait. Pee your pants meter? Should we do pee your pants meter first? Let's do it. All right, let's do it, Kirk. A scale of one to pee your pants, how scary is Megan? One is the lowest. One is the lo- lowest. Pee your yeah. pants is ten, your, is ten, you were wearing yeah. sweatpants and uh, just like your your five-year-old child uh, kick, just like walks up to you and it just slops on the bathroom floor and starts oozing out, right? Is that the pee your yes. pants score, right? That's just right. to give it some good graphics, right? Yeah, very um, graphic. You could smell it. You could smell it now, right? Right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say like a four. Like it's uh, it's not it's not scary. There are some um, thrilling moments uh, that I'm like, what, what are they going to show us and how are they going to do it? But it really doesn't cross past that. And I think four is being pretty generous on this as well. Yeah, I was going to give it like a two and a half to three. Two and a half to mm-hmm. three is kind of where, where I was at. Because I don't recall ever feeling scared. And I'm a huge scaredy cat. So like um, the moments where you knew a jump scare was going to happen, you were more excited. Because it was going to yeah. be something hilarious. And like especially anything involving the neighbor and the dog was just like <laughs> absolutely absolutely hilarious um so you know the, those are the chances where you probably had the biggest chance to be scared but it doesn't you, you never get there so you know what i know why it's for it's because when that devil of a little boy you know starts assaulting uh both yes katie and megan and you're kind of glad it's megan is taking the brunt of it because she is a robot but then you think dude, this is, if this was a girl, think of all the, the girls that he's done this to. And even though he's a disgusting little kid that needs correction, when that car rolls over his body, dude. it's very, it drops your stomach. And the whole crowd was like, oh, I don't know. They were like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like this took a turn <laughs> fast. Um, I think that's where the four comes in for me. Um, but otherwise it's just kind of like these fun, thrilling moments. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. All right. Take us home. Final thoughts and scores on, on Megan. Like I said, we lost a full point. So add a point after this to tell you uh, just the unfortunate misdirection of Allison Williams and Ronnie C. In my opinion, just in my opinion, again, they did fine. They would have done better with the proper, um, the proper eyes on it and the proper communication. And maybe they got it and maybe they chose not to do it, but I don't think so. Cause they're both professionals. I think there was just some sort of communication breakdown for it. So add one point once you hear my score. This movie is um, probably will be a cult classic. This movie is just so fun. 100% rewatchable. Uh, could be, uh, you know, every Halloween season you roll this thing in or just randomly just to have a good time with friends. You're at a party uh, and you're you're 16 and you're like, hey. Uh, I want to I want to watch just a random funny movie and laugh with my friends while I eat, you know, a whole bunch of chips and salsa. Let's go. There's so many options that you can just insert this movie and connect with it and laugh with it and just have fun with it. And with that, my score for M3 GAN, which is one of the most difficult things to promote on social media and difficult things to research about the movie. It's frustrating, but that's fine. Megan gets a 7.9 out of 10 kernels for me. Ooh, we're going to be close, Kirk. We're going to be very close. We're going to be very close. Um, I have similar thoughts on this movie. I think it's, uh, 
it's an absolute blast. I mean, you are going to have a ball. I, I recommend seeing it in theater because it's it's a really fun movie to to watch. It's rated PG thirteen, which I think is really smart, and um, that is one of the reasons that I think it it does have all of the criteria it needs to become a cult classic and to become one of these. Um, horror movies that people watch for years and years and years and talk about. Um, this movie is deceptively intelligent and smart. Uh, the The writing team on this movie is James Wan, and uh, hold on, let me get the name of his his writing partner on this film. Uh, oh, I just had it. Alec- Akila um, Akila Cooper. They they also wrote the film Malignant, which is another. Uh, we were actually reviewed it on this podcast. Another in insanely zany horror film um very creative writing bunch and james wan has done a lot of directing in the horror space as well and is involved with blumhouse and um all of that but uh they they really directed something complete they really wrote something completely unique here that's you know chock full of of good theme work and you just you don't expect that in this movie. It, it totally subverts what you're expecting, and yet it also delivers what you're expecting in terms of the campiness, the the laughs, the 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 giggles, just the the butterflies in your stomach that a movie like this can deliver, um, as well as just some absolutely timeless moments, including the Megan uh, dancing scene in the hallway which is already was viral before the movie even came out as well as her singing titanium by uh <laughs> david getta uh as <laughs> as she's trying to put katie to sleep hilarious um timeless classic moments and this movie just has a lot to offer it it, it honestly does very little wrong and and um what it does wrong is just is it's just mostly the limitations of the the kind of ceiling that a movie like this has, you know. Um, but within the confines of its genre and its budget and all of that, I think it reaches about as high as it possibly could. So I'm giving it an 8.0 out of 10, which is just 0.1 ahead of Kirk. But I always refer to movies in the eights as as great movies. So color me surprised that Megan ended up as a great movie in my books. I was not at all expecting this or to like it or to have something to think about as I left the theater um, and to analyze. But I I had all of those things and I was so, so happy that I did. So 8.0 for me, 7.9 from Kirk. And that is our review of Megan. It could have been an 8.9 had those. I mean, there's a lot of those scenes at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning for sure. It stumbles out of the uh, starting gates, I would say. it, It hurts to give that, but I have to then there's no, there's no going back. Yeah. There was, there was a point in the middle of this movie where I was like, I'm going to give this movie an irrationally high score because they're (laughs) like, they're doing, I was having so much fun and they're doing so many great things. You kind of have to sit, sit with it for a bit, you know, be fair, be critical of the things that don't work as well. And, and just kind of take it all in as one and still gets really high scores for both of us. So, Megan, the surprise surprise hit coming out of the gate for the new year. I, I love it. I love it. Um, let's play this game. Are you ready for this game, Cam? I never know how to answer that question, so we will just, we will see. This game is called Name That Robot. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
in post prod, I expect you to make it sound like there's a hundred people shouting oh, or no, Lord. a thousand people shouting that with me, yeah. just like any kind of game show from the 1960s and 70s. Can you do that for me? Yeah, that's super easy, Kirk. And as you know, we we both have lo- lots of time yeah. to conjure things like that up. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can't wait to listen to it as it should sound. Yes. In this game, I'm going to give you the name of an actor and you must name the robot movie they're from. I thought about having you name the actual robot character name, but that could be extremely difficult. Thank you. Thank you for that. And we would... We would never have an answer, but name that robot uh, is much more fun than name that robot movie uh, when you shout it out with with the crowd. So are you ready to play name that robot? Okay, so to clarify, you're giving me an actor. I have to name the movie they're in that features a robot. That's right. Bonus points if you know the name of the robot, but you just have to give me the name of the movie. Okay, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Do you have your sound effects ready for correct answer and wrong answer? I do. Okay, <laughs> the confidence, the the head nod, if you could see, if you're watching online, the hair shook like it was going to attack you. Like, don't you dare ask me if I have the sound effects for <laughs> And here we go. Number one, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator. That is correct. Several Terminators. Yeah, I mean, there's a few of them. What do you want? What do you, it's the T T eight hundred T. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Name every Terminator film he was in. T one thousand. That's right, Cameron. Here comes number two. The actor okay. James Spader. James Spader. Sure. Yes. Is this the robot that I just mentioned at the beginning of this episode? I don't remember who you mentioned. Ultron? That is correct. Yeah. I said from you should what have, movie? Well, from, from Avengers Age of Ultron, of course. Perfect. You got a bonus point that time because you knew the name of the robot who also happens to be in the title. It's of in the, the title. I don't, I'm, not take, I'm not accepting that bonus point. I've, I've got to keep my integrity <laughs> intact here. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to get a little crazy now. We're going to get a little crazy. We want the listeners to be driving in their car, mowing their lawn yes. in January or doing the dishes. And we just want them to be with us. So here's where it gets tough. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. Number three, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Oh, man. Robot. Okay. 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 Name. That robot, robot, robot. Okay, robot. is this Vin Diesel as Groot? No, because Groot is not a robot. No, I know, but is it? Is it? Is the robot from that film? No. Do cyborgs count? <laughs> Absolutely, because the Terminator is a cyborg. I'm trying to think. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. This is some movie trivia of some insane grassroots for original roles i don't know i have to say i do not know this is from the animated film the iron giant oh yeah he's in that movie that is correct he voices the iron giant he does diesel here's the thing man this is the this is the downfall with kids movies you watch these movies when you're a kid at least if you're me 
and I, I haven't revisited the Iron Giant with my kids. And so I, you know, when you're a kid, you have no idea who anybody is at all. Right. You know, so he's just the Iron Giant. So I've seen the movie, but I did not, I honestly did not know that. Shocking. Number four, Robin Williams. Oh, um, oh, what's that movie called? Bicentennial Man? That is correct. I do not Very like good. that movie. I do not like it. <laughs> oh, a lot of people do not like that movie. They don't. Yeah. Do you? I have a strange love for that yeah, movie. That's good. I don't know why. It's not I know it's not a good movie. This is a I know safe space, a Kirk. Film. This is a safe space. You know, I was looking through some old notes of ours and I found that we had um uh, guilty pleasure movies. I think we called it s- Something like so cute, so ugly, it's cute. Is yeah. that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we should bring that back. That would be one of those movies so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it is ugly, Bicentennial Man. But, you know, if, if it makes your heart warm, that's all that matters. It does. It really does. Number five, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Name that robot. Oh, he's the robot. That is correct. Prometheus. Correct. We got a big robot guy here. That's right. I'm all about the robots. (laughs) Oh, I've lost count of my, of my movies. How about one more? Yes. One more. Let's do it. The final one, whatever number this is. Okay. Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander. She is a robot. Oh yeah, she's a robot in um is it X Ex Machina? Yes, very good. Yeah. Bravo. I think we just had Vin Diesel throwing you through the loop there. That was the only one. That was the only one, Vin Diesel. I I man, I really want to go watch The Iron Giant back now because I I lo- I really liked that movie as a kid. And I liked its commercials even more. I, I used to love, between before so many VHSs, there was an Iron Giant commercial, and it used to always get me hyped. It's a great movie. It's really wonderful. It's really wonderful. Well, thank you for playing, Cam. You've done another exceptional hey, job. Great game, Kirk. I liked that one. I was good at that one. So, well done. That game is called Name That Robot. Um, or at least the film that... It, the person's in that has a robot in it. <laughs> you uh, know, my my games never make complete sense. No, but I the names are always of... bangers every single time. Good marketing. You got to put the marketing first, Kirk. I like it. I like I like where Thank your you. head's at. Uh, all right, so that's our review of Megan as well as our robot-themed game. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you saw Megan, uh, let us know your thoughts. I saw a few people... Uh, you know, on social media, had some mixed mixed reviews on Megan. I'm I'm very curious everybody's thoughts on it. It is certainly something else. So I, yes. I you can never you can never guess where anybody's gonna land on it. But um, Kirk and I both had a good time with it. We hope you did too. And we uh, don't know what we'll be reviewing next week. We're kind of in the uh, we're in the pits, man, of of movie releases. Nobody likes to release movies. This time of year, I don't know if we're going to go see a man called Otto or what's going to happen, but that's really the only thing that's in theaters right now 
of note. Um, she said released on Peacock. Maybe we'll review that. If you have thoughts, as always, we have a few days before we'll decide. Hit us up on social media if there's something you'd really like us to take a look at. We'd be happy to consider it. Um, but until that time, I want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as our original music, which is created by the band Rhetoric. Check those guys out anywhere you can listen to music as Kirk puts his very crinkly tinfoil garments back on. We will see you guys next time. Talk to you, talk to you, then, then, then.